want our physicians to be involved every step of the way. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Radiology Report podcast, where we are having conversations with the leaders transforming radiology today. You can find us on radiologyreportpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm your host, Daniel Arnold. Today, I am so excited to be joined by Dhruv Chopra and Dr. Ted Wen, uh, co-founders of Collaborative Imaging. Collaborative Imaging is a radiologist-owned alliance to combat the growing threat of consolidation in radiology, degradation in patient care, physician burnout, and operational inefficiencies plaguing radiologists while providing a sustainable business model to allow its partners to realize additional revenue opportunities while retaining full autonomy as independent radiology practices. The team I'm joined by today, Dhruv Chopra, he's the CEO and co-founder of Collaborative Imaging. Prior to starting Collaborative Imaging, he brings 15 years of experience as an executive with multiple billing companies in the radiology industry. Dhruv is based in Dallas and holds an MBA from Drake University. And Dr. Ted Wen is his co-founder and the chief clinical officer at CI. He also serves as the president of Texas Radiology Associates. Before joining the Collaborative Imaging team in Texas Radiology Associates, Dr. Wen served as medical director and chief of staff for the Presbyterian Hospital of Plano, with experience in both diagnostic and pediatric radiology. He received his doctor of medicine from the University of Texas Southwestern. Quite the team and quite the company mission. Drew, uh, Dr. Wen, thanks so much for joining us. Our pleasure. Thank you for having us. So Drew, the, the first question's for you and, and, and then Dr. Wen, we'll get into your background as well. But Drew, you started your career as an x-ray career which for many of us out there, like me, who've only come up in the PAX era, what in the world was an x-ray courier? What were you doing? How did you find a job as an x-ray courier? And how did that take you on your journey to where you are today? Yeah, it was a very humbling experience. Um, you know, graduating top of my class with my master's, um, I moved to Houston. Uh, my cousin in Houston is a radiologist and the familial ties, um, you know, he wanted me to work my way up. And so he asked me to be an x-ray courier. And um, that's essentially how I started delivering x-rays uh, to all these different clinics, driving around Houston traffic uh, from morning to night, and literally thinking there has to be a better way to end this madness. And that's uh, how everything began with me. Um, I had high aspirations, leaving, getting my MBA. I had no plans of being an x-ray courier. But it's paid off and I've learned the industry from the ground up and it's a very exciting industry. Awesome. What was your next move after X-Ray Career? Yeah, so after X-Ray Career, um, I took over um, the operation side of their practice, you know, eliminating the need for an X-Ray Career altogether. Um, I started focusing a lot more on the complaints that I'd been hearing when I was delivering X-rays from groups that were basically saying, well, you know, giving me the wrong reports with the wrong x-rays you're sending back the wrong x-rays to the wrong facilities so just trying to figure out the logistics on getting that taken care of and then running their imaging center business um, overseeing revenue cycle and just working my way through all the different departments technology and trying to make them a much better uh, practice as a whole uh, we were the first to introduce teleradiology in the texas area to rural facilities so that was a big differentiator with us, um, all while just trying to move to the digital age from a very backward kind of operation. So done a Fantastic. lot, done a lot from that standpoint. Yeah. 
And Dr. Wen, tell us about your background and what drew you, you know, into radiology and then ultimately into starting a company. So I'm actually formally uh, trained also as a computer software engineer. And so I worked my way through graduate school. I went to biomedical engineering. So I try to combine the uh, training of my mother, who was a nurse, and my father, who was a mechanical engineer. And I had an interest in this area after some uh, sports injuries. But it was during graduate school, I realized I was applying for all these research grants under the MDs instead of PhD. So why should I go the PhD route? So I'm taking all these pre-med courses in graduate school with all the undergraduates. But anyway, that's how I evolved into medicine. And given my technical background, radiology was a perfect fit because I get to play with all this incredible technology that I don't have to personally buy. <laughs> um, I do think I come with a lot of background knowledge that I know how things can be done. I know, I mean, the phrase is, I know enough to be dangerous, but I do know the basic fundamentals, how to program, I know how to design hardware. So I think that gave me a good training. And then I understand processes. I love uh, looking at processes, trying to be efficient. I absolutely don't mind working hard, but I want efficient processes. I realize all the pitfalls in medicine that are often process related or human uh, related. And if we can help work on that, that's what piqued my interest. And so what prompted us to create collaborative imaging, as you inferred, is of the uh, consolidation going on. And as good as a re-articulate as we try to be, that wasn't enough, we felt. We needed to provide more value than anybody can provide to our patients, to our hospitals, to our imaging centers, referring doctors. And that's what we wanted. We wanted to build processes and technology so that we can provide this additional value. And how did you come together to meet Drew and, and what drew you guys to each other? So I've known Drew probably 15 years now. So he was actually, we used his company for our billing. And he was also the, so anytime there were issues with a client, he was the person to go fix it. So I often travel with him and I learn a lot from him. And so we would have all these discussions about what's going on, what's working in healthcare, what's not working. And so even though he's an MBA, he's actually very technically savvy. Um, and so I really appreciate that he understood exactly what I wanted to do, the, the issues I wanted to address. So we've obviously worked very well together for, you know, a decade and a half now. Yeah, it's, an, it's amazing. You know, I mean, Dr. Wen is someone who understands not only how things are today, but how they should be, right? And, you know, every time we meet about something and discuss something and some issue, we have a solution in mind that, you know, that comes to mind and then we improve on that solution, right? So it's kind of like we just keep improving the process, getting it to where he wants to go. Then it's like, okay, now we're here. We didn't think about this. Let's make it even better. And so we're constantly evolving uh, from that standpoint, but he knows the ins and outs. He knows the issues and we're just a vehicle to help, you know, eliminate those issues and improve the, the process. And I've got a tremendous background in radiology, of course, um, on the operation side. So by tying the two together, the clinical side and the operational side, you basically get CI, which is really um, focused on helping eliminate the inefficiencies and allow practices to retain their independence. It's amazing to hear the founding story and the coming together of two people with complementary skill sets. I think one of the biggest things that leads to success in entrepreneurship is people with a lot of experience and complementary skills, which the two of you 
uh, bring together. So it's a really interesting and powerful team combination. We'll get into CI in a second, but one of the things that would be, help me and I think then help our audience understand is what is revenue cycle management? So, you know, you're working for a large practice. Presumably you could do your own billing, but you don't. Instead, you're working with Drew and his team to do the billing. Like, why is that? Why don't you do your own billing? What are the mistakes? And one of the things that you told me, Drew, when we first met was how you always grow people's collections when, when they work with you. Like, why? I, I just don't get it. So so step me through, you know, some of um, the reasons why a group outsources billing. What are the types of things that you're helping them with? What are the types of mistakes people make or or core expertise that you bring to the table? Well, I'll start off by saying, so yes, I agree. We're large enough that we could do our own, but it is a huge amount of undertaking because you have to, first off, have partners willing to manage it and oversee it. You have to hire a lot of staff. Traditionally, billing is very manual, so you're constantly having a lot of clerical staff to maintain. If they leave, you have to hire new ones, you have to retrain. And for us, we felt it was not a area of strength that we had or a strong interest. Um, but we also wanted to go beyond the standard building practices and go from a very manual process to essentially an AI-driven process. We wanted to go the next step because we have discovered, and again, not to speak negative of any building company, this, is, this is applies to just the whole industry, but we have found mistakes in the past with how payers were paying us based on contracted rates or, or not based on contracted rates, essentially. Um, and so we need technology. We need people on our team that are willing to take on this task and do a very good job of it. And that's why we turn to Collaborative Image to do that for us. Yeah, I think, um, you know, the RCM, you know, it sounds like a simple process, right? It's, okay, patient has an x-ray, they need to pay a bill. You send them a bill, they pay, right? Well, it gets very, very complicated very, very quickly. So number one, there's a compliance element to it. You have to do things from a compliance standpoint. You need to make sure the employees are trained correctly. Um, it's not about just submitting a claim. You have to make sure the claim you submit is actually accurate, number one. Number two, you know, you can go out there, you can you have to license a product. Part of the problems with the products out there today is integrations, right? So you have all these disparate hospital systems that send you different interfaces and different feeds that are coming through. I can get into all the details. Some are HL7, which is supposed to be a standard, but HL7, while being a standard, everybody conforms to that standard differently, right? So you have to be building interfaces on an ongoing basis. Now hospitals change systems. Now you need to have a new interface built. Um, building the payers um, is complicated as well as it relates to payers require different things. Now with 5010 coming out and it's standardized a lot more of the processes across the board. But it's just a very heavy lift, and it's a very expensive lift for a practice. Uh, we want physicians to be physicians. The, the physicians are very highly educated people. Uh, we don't want them having to deal with billing complaints and billing issues that come about. We want them to focus on the patient care side of the equation. And um, you know, we want to provide the service which allows it to be cost effective for groups. Um, and as a result, you know, we've created our own proprietary solution. I think it's going to end up being where we can have a hybrid as well, where groups that want to do certain things themselves, like, for example, if they want to answer their own phone calls in our solution, they can. Why would they want to do that? In some cases, they're like, well, we want to be the ones interacting with patients. Great. We can make that happen for you. Right. Um, but by the same token, most of the time, 
when they outsource, it's really, we want them to consider us as a partner. It's really just a department of theirs as opposed to a true outsource um, billing company. We don't want to be a hands-off billing company that just gets the data and just builds out the stuff. We want to do this together. And that's how it works best. Um, and most billing companies, it's like you send us the data, we do our thing and you get the results of that and that's it. But we want our physicians to be involved every step of the way. And Dr. Wen's group has a billing committee. We meet with them. They're looking at reports all the time. They're getting feedback. They're very involved in the process. And I'll tell you, honestly, I don't think he would say that they're outsourcing their billing because it's really not outsourcing. He knows the entire team that's working on his accounts. Um, he knows what's happening at any given time. Yeah, another hurt I would tell you is, and I was stunned by this, but over a third of the demographics we get from our hospitals are incorrect. So what happens then is you, you send it to a billing company, they can't bill. So we had to develop technology to try to get better demographics from the hospitals or from our other sources and provide that because then otherwise the patient goes to collection sent by ER, by the hospital, by radiology, pathology, pulmonology. We need better processes. Also, now we have data scientists that really help us analyze every track, every step of the way. So we're trying to get really ahead of the game and do a much, much better job than a just straight. I mean, if we ran our own billing, it would be a mom and pop operation. We really need much more sophisticated processes. Sure. So there's some scale in developing processes and technology that you can spread over a larger group of radiologists. But wait, you, you said something there that, that just... I want to make sure I understand. So what you said that over a third of the demographic data you're getting back from the hospitals is, is wrong. So, right. okay. So what do you have to do then? You, you call the hospital up and say, Hey, you gave me the wrong patient. Their address is missing or their insurance is missing stuff like that. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. I mean, you know, I would say conservatively it's 30%. We have some facilities where it's 60, 70% of the information that comes across is incorrect. So to your point, what do you do then, right? If you're a traditional billing company, you're going to send the claim to the insurance carrier. Insurance carrier is going to say, oh, this isn't my patient. And they're going to deny the claim. Now what are you going to do? You're going to start harassing the patient. You're going to send them text messages. You're going to send them statements. Um, and then what? You're going to turn the patient over to collections. Whereas the patient is thinking, wait a second, I gave all the correct information when I registered at the hospital. You look at something as simple as Aetna, right? Well, Aetna has hundreds of plans under Aetna. And if you don't get that plan right, you submit the claim to Aetna and it's going to get denied, right? And you're back to square one. So it's not like, you know, they're putting in garbage information. It's just that insurance payers by default have made it so complicated, they don't want to pay, right? They're trying to put hurdles in place so they don't have to pay the claim. So if you can't get the claim to the right carrier because it's, you know, you haven't selected the right plan, you haven't put the right information, it's going to go to the wrong carrier at the end of the day, right? So we've created our proprietary processes to identify that information before we even submit the claim. It's much harder to work a denial after you receive a denial back from the carrier than to get it right the first time. So our sure. efforts are geared to getting that information right the first time. Um, and we're relying on the hospital, but we've also understood and we realize that the hospitals provide us bad data. So we've created outside processes to get the information correctly, to submit the claim correctly to the right carrier and get paid. Super helpful context for me. I appreciate it. And so now I kind of get it. So for years, Drew, you've built up this expertise in revenue cycle management, billing services, improving the technology, the process. You've built a lot of your own technology, it sounds like, to improve the data cleanup, be more proactive about identifying 
opportunities and you've been working with Dr. Wen over these these years. And then you something happened where you said, hey, you know, we could help other groups with this too. And that is there's something here beyond just revenue cycle. There's a bigger business opportunity. There's a bigger company opportunity. What was that founding moment like where you guys said, hey, we need to do something bigger than just what we're doing. We want to build a company. And um, what were the sort of first initial steps like to get this thing off off the ground? That started with me. So first off, I spent a year and a half and a lot of money hiring outside programming companies, trying to develop processes, abysmal failures, wasted a lot of money, not a proud time of my life. And then secondly, the group, my group decided we did not want to sell out. We want to remain independent. But we also realized in this change environment, fine, you say that, but what does that mean? How do you flourish? How do you succeed? Well, you need a better technology, better processes, better RCM, better value for patients. And then I, literally I flew around and drove all over Texas meeting with groups that we thought of similar philosophy that wanted to remain independent, but they needed tools. So there's three requests. It was very universal. A was better technology and better processes. B, better billing, RCM. And three, nighttime coverage. Well, I mean, three for us would be tough to take on everyone's nighttime coverage, but one and two, we could work out. So then we came back um, and started working on that. And that's how we started this. Yeah. And I think to your point as well, Dr. Wen, the technology side, it was key, right? We always knew we wanted to do something that's going to help radiologists across the board, but we wanted Texas radiology to be somewhat of our sandbox. You know, they're so big, right? There's so many different radiologists in Texas radiology that do things differently. And we always felt if we can create a solution that worked for a group like Texas radiology that does over uh, three and a half million studies a year, that have so many different hospitals, that the solution would be, you know, we'd have a very strong foundation to go out there with other groups and be able to help other groups. So the feedback from Texas radiology physicians is phenomenal. I mean, it's, that's what's needed when you do anything is you need that feedback group and the physicians, you know, realize what we're trying to do, what we're trying to create. And we got that feedback from all their physicians and so many different methods that we were able to build this out. And now it's customizable to any other group. So we said, you know what, let's take it big. Let's help other groups out. And so now we're nationwide. We process about 20, 25 million studies through our platforms. Uh, we have five basic wings to our company. Uh, we have developed our own PAC solution. We've developed our own universal work list. We have our own voice recognition solution. Uh, we have our RCM solution. We have our VNA and storage. So, you know, we are able now to provide groups with whatever they need to help get to the next level as it relates to their particular practice. So when part of the goal was to help other groups, right, a similar philosophy to want to remain independent, but they'll have the means or the resources and they struggle. And, and I used to be an ACR counselor. I would go to these meetings every year and hear these heartbreaking stories. These groups have been there 100 years and they totally lose the contract. But that, that's just terrible for private practice medicine. So we wanted to be able to participate and help them in some way. So when you talk to these groups and they're getting excited, there's a lot of head nodding. Yeah, I've got the same problems. Yeah, something like this would help. What'd you do next? Did you just like 
you, you immediately light bulb moment collaborative imaging is the name we're incorporating we're signing 10 groups and it was just smooth sailing or like how did you get from zero to one from you know okay we've got one client to now we've got 10 groups you know how'd you get that first few groups on board and just talk us through kind of the early days of this thing well, as you know, any startup is, is a challenge. And so, no, it was not successful immediately. We came back, just sat at the drawing board and, and did see, set with, I was actually the first CEO of Collaborative, which was a mistake because I'm not, <laughs> but I was trying to learn a lot from Drew. And so we sat down and just started talking a lot about how we would start this, what do we need to build, what would make it successful. And RCM was not the first product we built at all. We start working on technologies to improve workflow and patient safety and care. Um, and then we started rolling that out. And then slowly we did get groups interested. We actually spent a lot of time flying around the country, meeting with groups that had heard about us um, or had seen some of our products. And so, so we have no advertising budget. We're not out there advertising at all, but it was word of mouth. It's basically groups or radiologists that knew of us or knew of someone in my practice. And we would talk about it. So slowly we have uh, had more and more groups join. Um, I do think post-pandemic, we're at a ramp-up phase now where the, the interest is much stronger. Many more groups have heard of us. So, so I think we're yeah. starting to hit that inflection point. Yeah, honestly, you know, for anybody wanting to start a business, it's not an easy journey by any means. We've had 22-hour days, 23-hour days, you know, sleepless nights, of course. Um, but, you know, I think at the end of the day, when you know you're doing something and you have the commitment to it and you know it's going to change the lives of people, you do it. You know, when we started off, our goal was very simple. We wanted groups to be independent and do what it takes to help retain their independence. And the first thing was RCM. You know, if we can improve their revenue, how would we do that? And we weren't an RCM company. All we wanted to do was improve the revenue regardless of which RCM company they use. And our goal was, you know, if Dr. Wen's reading 100 studies, I want to make sure those 100 studies are getting paid, right? And are getting paid correctly. And when we started looking at that, we were identifying issues where out of 100 studies, 20 were being filed to the wrong place, you know, 10 were being uh, coded incorrectly, um, and so on and so forth, right? And it was costing the group money. So it was a very easy thing to go in there and look at the stuff and say, okay, let's fix these things. And all of a sudden, the group's making more money. And that's exactly what happened, right? Their revenues went up by roughly 40% um, hmm. after we started focusing on the RCM. And we had the whole team focus on RCM, just trying to improve um, that side. And of course, all the RCM companies out there will show you reports about how great they're doing and yada, yada, yada. Ultimately, you have to get into the weeds and you have to say, okay, let's look at line item by line item and see what's happening with this, right? And what exactly is going on? And why is that? Why are we losing money, um, you know, at that side of the equation? And as a result, Texas Radiology saw the uptick. Like Dr. Wen said, everything is word of mouth. We do not have a marketing team um, or anything like that. We don't have a sales team that's going around selling. We've never had that, really. Um, it's always been physicians talking to physicians. And, you know, unsolicited by us, they're going around and telling groups, you know, that this is what's happening. I just got an email today from a prospect who hasn't even signed a deal with us yet telling us that he's talking to another group and he's given a referral to another group to talk to us because he likes what we're doing so much. And he's a prospect, you know, I mean, it's just things like that. This is how it just works because, you know, they see, we know our stuff. We know what we're talking about. We're in it to help the groups. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's interesting. It sounds like uh, your initial thesis was technology would be the better go to market 
path and then you had to pivot kind of early on. And it kind of makes sense because billing while expensive and manual can be impacted right away. Whereas technology might take years to develop the expertise in. And, and so now you've got this, this customer base and you can still build technology and start to see the impact of that technology over time. And, and then it starts to compound. And, you know, Dr. Wed, I can relate to your failed experience as CEO. I'm currently the CEO of of my own startup and uh, MRI online, you know, jury's still out as to whether I'm the right person for that. So, so far I'm, I'm alive and kicking, but it's definitely trying at times. And I wonder, uh, so kudos to you for recognizing, Hey, you know what, maybe Drew would be a better one for this role. And I, I could focus on clinical quality. And so I know your roles evolved over time and how does partnering with CI drive impact on the quality side you know, you mentioned, for example, one of the capabilities that you guys are developing is this concept of re referring physician report rating, almost like uh, when you get a customer service email and it's like, did this rep help you, you know, solve your your problem today? Is that live? Like, do people like this tool? And and what's the reaction been? Yeah, it's it's live. Um, it's very interesting. Of course, when they get five star ratings, they like it. When they get one star ratings, they don't like it. Right. Um, <laughs> but it's very informative. You How else do you get the feedback back from the referring physicians? Right. I mean, if you have an outpatient imaging center, if they don't like your reports, they might stop sending you patients. Right. And that's the only time you know that, oh, this physician's not happy with us. Right. In this case, you have every report that a physician can go and a referring physician very easily. It's not like they have to log into a different portal or anything. It's within the same portal. They're reading the report and underneath there, they can select one through five stars. And then based on that feedback, it goes to the quality council at TRA or whichever group, and they're seeing which physicians are rating them and how they're rating them. Now, from that standpoint, they can meet as a team, they can review the reports and say, well, this is what should be mentioned. And all of a sudden you have closing the loop and someone can follow up with that physician and let them know, you know, we got this rating, you know, why didn't you like this rating? Why didn't you like this report? What are your concerns? How can we fix it? How can we make it better? But then we're also putting that feedback into our voice recognition solution. So next time a doctor reads for that particular physician, they know what that physician wants and they're being able to dictate exactly what that physician wants. So now the physician's happy again. So the trend is that you'll see this, you'll see a one star come in and then all of a sudden it's all five stars after that, right? Because they're getting exactly what they want, how they want it and how they deliver, you know, how they want it. And that communication back and forth is just huge. Dr. Wen, what do the, what do the doctors think about this? Have you gotten a one-star review yet? Close, not quite. <laughs> and, 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 and it has to do with, again, some technology missteps. You know, I mean, voice recognition is not perfect. There are sometimes there are mistakes. And, and I, I get, we get that. That all happens. But in general, the doctors are pretty understanding. So I would add, to me, the quality is not just that, but it's also the quality of patient care. I mean, to me, that's the big overriding. Factor. I think I've mentioned before to many that there have been studies that show follow-up recommendations we make, about 40% are never followed up for varying reasons, but sometimes they're really critical. And so that's something that really haunts me. I, I want to make sure we have better processes. That's something we're working very hard on. You know, do they get a follow-up? Can we make sure they get a follow-up immediately? And if not, did they ever get a follow-up? Are they lost? You know, how can we track all this to take care of these patients? Because that's, I've horror, I, I wake up three in the mornings with, with cold sweats, worrying about cases like that. 
Um, a lot is the interruptions we get constantly. And I'm not complaining about it, but you know, when we're reading a complex case, we may get called to do a procedure. We get interrupted by a doctor, go over a case. We're asking to help them. Technologies of questions. So after four or five interruptions, if you've forgotten to mention something you saw, that's a major error, a process error in medicine. I'm trying to, we're trying to build processes to protect us and improve on that part of it. Because ultimately, you, you want to treat the patient and make sure they get appropriate care as fast as possible. You know, at the end of the day, if you think about it, just like I'm just going to go from a business perspective, right? You read a chest x-ray, you get paid X dollars from Medicare. That's it, right? Now, what Dr. Wen and what differentiates Dr. Wen and his group and other practices that we want to align with is they're going the extra mile. They're saying, okay, we saw something abnormal over here. We read the x-ray. We notified the referring physician. But did that patient actually have the subsequent study done? Right. So they have invested tremendous amount of money, tremendous amount of time in creating a process that says we recommended an ultrasound to be followed up with. Did that patient have that ultrasound? Did they not? Right. So now we're reaching out to the patients directly and saying, hey, patient, the doctor has read your exam. They're recommending this. You need to come back in and schedule yourself for an exam and get with your referring physician to make sure that the, nothing drops through the cracks right? Nothing falls through the cracks from that standpoint. They're not getting reimbursed any extra for that. They're doing it because that's the right thing to do as it relates to clinical care, closing the loop in every step of the way. So, you know, it's very, very important um, that physician practices are going that extra step. It's not just about delivering that x-ray interpretation. It's making sure that what was recommended is actually being adhered to. It's reducing um, length of stay in hospitals, it's reducing costs and it's improving patient care at the end of the day for, so it's, it's really helping at the macro level um, across the board uh, when you do these kind of things, but someone has to take the initiative. Someone has to bear the brunt of it, which other groups are not necessarily always willing to do. That stat that 40% of follow-ups are never taken action on is, is terrifying. And, you know, when you think about the types of interventions that you're looking at, whether it be in, you know, neuro or, you know, really any subspecialty where there might be some oncologic findings that are suspicious or you name it, it's the downstream effects to the patient are, are scary. And and uh, obviously the savings to the system are big. And so if there's a role radiology can play in, in that coordination and, and driving follow-up is interesting. And it's, you know, it, it always kind of feels like radiology is always forward, almost never looking backwards, right? Um, what is the looking backwards like? How do we take a look at the hundred scans I read the day before and figure out whether or not these follow-ups were taken and, and, and closed loop. And if there's an opportunity there that you guys can help with, that could be uh, really powerful. Well, I think it's, um, uh, let me just jump in and then uh, Dr. Wen, please jump in also on the clinical side. But I think one of the things that we do is peer review, right? So typically peer review is mandated um, and you do peer reviews on all studies that are being read within X number of months or X number of days. We want to do peer reviews real time. So if Dr. Wen signs off on a study, right now, you know, let's get someone to peer review that study right away, right? So that it goes in someone else's queue. Again, we've developed the technology that allows us to do this, right? So if Dr. Wen is reading, he's reading 10 MRIs in a row and suddenly he's reading a CT, right? Well, let's get that CT, you know, peer reviewed. So we've built all this analytics as to which studies need to be peer reviewed at what time frame, And it's all random mm -hmm. and it's all, you know, um, orchestrated from that standpoint. But the idea is just to identify where the potential um, lapses that could happen. Like Dr. Wen was saying, you know, he gets interrupted when he's reading a study. 
well, if we see that he's not dictating, if he stops dictating in the middle of a report, and let's say it's been 45 seconds and there's no dictation, the system knows that he's being interrupted or something's going on. Let's tag that study and let's send it to peer review as well. Hmm. Right. So we're doing this random peer review on everything that's happening to make sure we're catching these things essentially in real time. Um, the second side of it is, of course, you know, on the follow up notifications to the patients, we can't just sign off on a report and send it to, you know, the referring physician, whether it's the ED doc or whatever. If there's an incidental finding, we need to start following up with the patients, the patient access. Right. You know, patients are supposed to have their reports now. Now that gets into another dilemma. Well, do you want the patient having a report? before the referring physician has seen it. You know, when the doctor signs off on a report, do you want it going to both places? And it's a very interesting, there's a lot of controversy around it. There's a lot of discussion mm-hmm. around it as to what is right, what is not right. But patients have to have, to have access to their um, reports. And what we're finding is patients are actually going in and reading the reports that we send. And one of the things we're working on now is converting the radiology reports into a human readable, understandable mm-hmm. format. Because what ends up happening today is when a patient reads a report, they start Googling. Right. And they're like, oh, what is this? What is this? What is this? And they're trying to draw their own conclusions. So we're trying to bridge that gap where we're taking a radiology report and converting it um, to it. And again, there's no extra reimbursement that any payer gives you to do this, but it's the right thing to do. It's what's needed for patient care. But Dr. Wen, if you could speak. Well, I, I, you're right. We don't look backwards, but that's because also it's very inefficient. So I want a process that's literally live as I'm doing it. So if I rec- make a recommendation for follow up, I want, we're trying to build a process. Do I now message the nurse navigator? We go ahead and get the follow-up schedule now. And patients, I think, would be very impressed with that level of care. So they're saying, yeah. oh, two weeks later, oh, we found this thing. You need to get a follow-up. That's when we get lost to follow-up. So mm-hmm. I want a dynamic, in-the-moment kind of follow-up. I don't want – I know the hospital that wanted to hire 12 nurses to read reports to look for these follow-ups. I appreciate that, but that's a lot of expense. If we have a system built in that can automate the notification to them, they take it to patient. The patient probably still getting dressed after the CT or MRI, and we can set it up for them. That's the level of care we want to achieve. Yeah, amazing. Well, we're we're at the end of our time, so I, I guess last question for you, Doctor Wen, because one of the one of the core audiences on our show is a lot of radiologists that are maybe business leaders already or potentially interested in building a company or being a part of a private practice and, and wearing multiple hats. So um, any big surprises being a radiologist entrepreneur, how, how do you balance the clinical and business today? Like, you know, how do you divide your time up and um, you know, any advice that you have for people that are thinking about it? So what, what I found most interesting is uh, like you, I don't know how good a job I do on the running the business side of things. I think I do a reasonably good job, but even if I work all day and then I go work in evening and it's a hard evening. I actually relish the clinical side of it again. Um, mm. So for me, it's a very nice blend. Actually, I'm not. I, I think if I were entirely running a business, I would probably go crazy soon. But I have a nice blend. It's almost like a pause. You do something totally different. I'm back to my roots, as it were. And then the next day, I start fresh again, and I'm willing, happy to manage the business side. But I think, as as you know, as most business people know. It's so critical who you surround yourself with to help you with this endeavor, whatever it is you want to do, because you need the best people willing to work, very collegial, very intelligent, obviously, and very connected. Yeah. So how, how do you organize your day? You do you do business during the day and clinical at, 
at night. Is that right? Oftentimes, yes. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's so much to talk about. So Dr. Wen keeps warning me, don't go off on rambling and stuff. But there's just so many different things. You know, there's so many things happening in the industry right now across the board with, um, it's just crazy, like healthcare and radiology specifically because of all the inefficiencies out there. You know, I think there's just going to be so much innovation that's coming out. Um, and the, the team that's going to win is going to be the team that has the great, greatest and best innovators and who can think outside the box on how to make the process better. And um, that's not something you can go to school for. You know, it's something that you're either built with and you understand how to make a process better and you are comfortable challenging the status quo. And I think that's what's going to really differentiate, you know, every group. Every group's trying these different things to develop their own workflow and their own packs and this, that, and the other. But, you know, very few are succeeding in that. And it's just it's just going to constantly change. Everybody's trying to play catch up to others. Um, but, you know, where we are today, our competitors might catch up to us. But by the time they've caught up, we're going to be four bounds ahead, right? Four leaps ahead. And at the end of the day, it's not about that. It's about helping patients and helping physicians and, you know, keeping these guys independent. The turnover that's happened right now in radiology with radiologists leaving practices, someone should do a study about that because it's incredible as to how many physicians are leaving private practice, setting up their own shop or just leaving radiology altogether because they're just burnt out. Why? You know, so it's lots, lots. we, We heard a stat that one in five have left their job in the last year. And it's, I don't know if if you've seen similar numbers, but it's wild. Well, Dr. Wen, uh, Drew, I really enjoyed the conversation. Um, thank you so much for sharing your stories and sharing your vision for the future and, and teaching us a little bit about collaborative imaging and, and your vision for the future. Thank you so much for having us. It was great. I uh, enjoyed the discussion and all the best to you and uh, your endeavors and entrepreneurship yeah i'm sure it'll be a big success so congratulations on what you've achieved so far we appreciate your interest and and i think i think obviously you're a good ceo so i'll learn from you (laughs) (laughs) i appreciate it well thanks guys thanks for listening to this episode of the radiology report podcast be sure to visit us at the radiology report podcast.com or subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts to join us for our next episode we are always looking for great guests If you have someone you'd like to hear on the show, please get in touch with us online. 